Hey guys, since it's episode 100 and everything, I feel like we should probably do something to shout out Deanna for doing all that research and stuff, you know? Oh my God, yeah, we should see if Bigfoot would come down out of the mountains and smoke her out. What? What? What are you talking about? Yeah, what? You know Bigfoot? Oh, come on. That's not what I meant. Bigfoot doesn't exist. So you don't think he'd be down? See, this is why we need Deanna here. No, we need Deanna because you two are crazy and someday it's going to get us canceled. Yeah. Man, I wish she was here right now so I could thank her for keeping us honest. I wish she was here right now so I could thank her for reading all those weird books. I wish she was here right now so she could tell you guys Bigfoot isn't real. Guys, I am here. And if you're talking about the 1967 Patterson-Gimlin film, or PGF, most experts will tell you it's fake. But technically, the jury is still out. Oh, hey! Also, I'm pretty sure Bigfoot doesn't smoke weed. It'd be cool if he did, though. I give up. Honestly, it's been so fun. Happy 100 episodes, everyone. And from all of us here at the show, thanks to all you people out there listening and keeping the dream alive. And? What? Oh, come on, you know. (sighs) Fine. And become part of the show yourself at patreon.com slash chaluminatipod. Here's to another 100 episodes, guys. And Bigfoot Christmas, everyone. Everybody and welcome to a very, very special episode of the Illuminati Podcast. Today is none other than episode 100. As always, I am one of your hosts, Mike Martin, joined by two good friends and co-hosts, Alex Fasciani. We ain't canceled yet, baby. We made it. (laughs) We made it to 100 without being canceled, guys. I mean, it's it's hard to cancel a podcast, though. I mean, if you just keep doing it, if you just keep doing it, you (laughs) You don't really get you just stop. Podcasts don't get canceled. They just network. NBC didn't call us and shut us down yet. Yeah, right. That's true. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm waiting for their call. One day NBC is going to close us all the way down. The National Broadcasting Corporation. Mr. NBC himself is actually going to give me a call. Alec Baldwin. Jack Donaghy. (laughs) Jack Donaghy (laughs) himself is going to give us a call. Who's Mrs. NBC? Uh, Betty White. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's just true. I'll take it. Was Betty yeah, White fine. NBC? I thought she was CBS. Uh, what, was, what was Golden Girls? Golden Girls on CBS? Really? Or ABC? It wasn't on NBC, was it? I don't know. I don't know. NBC I, I refuse to Girls. believe that. NBC's the only channel. It would blow my, my mind if it was like Golden Girls is on Fox. I'd be like, no. No, it was on NBC. <laughs> See, really? I'm not crazy. All yeah. Right. All right, there you go. Mrs. NBC is Betty White. Thank you, you to I'll be no friend. Yeah. <laughs> We uh we made it to 100 episodes, gentlemen. I'm very. I, I hope you're all very proud of the work we've done on this incredibly educational Perhaps and factual not. podcast. Well, okay. We educated people on the real history of the United States last week, and this week <laughs> Jesse's going to do something even better. I bet uh, it is even better. I'm let you know. I'm so <laughs> proud that last week it wasn't like a, you know. In my mind, but, this is a step up. This is an easy step up. We're good. But be- before we go to Jesse, though. I got to know how Alex is going to shill for episode 100. Oh, boy. You know what? I'm not going to shill. 
Whoa! That's right. That's my present to all the trolls out there who pretend like my ad read at the beginning of this show is the reason that they stop listening. I'm not going to do a shill. I'm not going to tell you to go to patreon.com slash Pod, which is a great website that supports this this show every week. You get a weekly show. You get an extra show afterwards. You get art. You get a Discord. You get all kinds of great stuff. And I'm not going to tell you about any of it or where you can find it, which is at patreon.com slash Pod keeps our lights on, keeps us rolling, and, uh, you know, keeps us happy. So thank you guys so much for a hundred smackaronis. I believed you. I believed you, and now uh, even I feel betrayed. (laughs) (laughs) It keeps the trolls engaging by leaving comments, though, and it's it's a useful tactic to keep the algorithm flowing. That can't be a, that just be like three dudes named like Steve-O. It's like once a week, one or two people are like, the ad's on this show. It's fine. It's It's like we're, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, and they're uh, Heath Ledger, and they're trying to quit us, but they but they can't. simply can't. Yeah, they, can't. Yeah, 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 they just yeah. can't do it, dude. We're we're too right. good. It's well, too sexy to go good. dump yeah. on, to do dunk dunk on me in the comments for promoting my show on the show. <laughs> it's all right. We don't it's want to pay DM anyway. Admittedly, I do it. It's fun. It's fun. <laughs> I don't blame them. It's fun. <laughs> all right, uh, Jesse. I mean, man. Oh, I'll shill once real quick. Episode one hundred. The Jeff the Mongers t-shirt is almost gone. It's going to be only for a few days before it's gone forever. And uh, if you want to get that as a t-shirt form before it is gone, go to yeti.com slash collection slash Illuminati. Get it now while you can. Hear me out, folks at home. Just go look at the shirt. I dare dare you to go look at it and not buy the shirt. Exactly. I don't even have one of these. It's such a cool shirt. It's so exclusive. We call this the Fasciani challenge. Yeah. So can you get it before the Foss gets it? Balls in your court. Yeah. Balls in your court. Jesse. Yes. What have you brought for us for episode one zero zero? Well, we did Crendor for ninety nine. Allow so me to shill if, if I may. Hey, what are you doing in, let's say, the beginning of October? I don't know. Um, let's say you're uh, you, you, you know, you want to travel again. The world has reopened. Fingers crossed. Don't jinx this earth. <laughs> let's say you want to, like, come to L.A. Wink. I bet there might be a live show, wink, happening in the beginning oh. of, of October, mm. wink. Mm. Like, wow, you know, I mm. I'll just put it out there. Just think yeah. about it. Put it out in the ether. Just going to, we'll talk about it later. Wink. If we, if it October's happens, hard, October is like the month I jerk off the most because <laughs> like no, not November's coming up. Yeah. You are. My get schedule it all might out. be packed. Well, well, you know tell what? You can me still and Jesse are there. Me and Jesse are there because we live here and we'll zoom Matheson and it'll be like a really authentic <laughs> Chiluminati episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Matheson will be like in his bathroom, I guess. I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. Anyway, going to call me. I'm going to be driving. Now, I'm just going to be driving. Now that yeah. you took my shill and made it weird, uh, let's get into today's episode. So, gentlemen, I decided the best 100th episode tribute would to be doing an episode that encompasses everything we do on this show. So I've chosen for you three subjects for today. Mm-hmm. One tackling every single facet and angle of what we do on this podcast. Okay. You've got me. And they are in order from weird, weirder to weirdest. <laughs> Is power ranked your topic? Is this what I feel? Is this what I like? Is this what you guys feel like when I'm like, it's going to be about pie today? Are you ready? (laughs) That is, look, I've learned from the master. 
While the world is getting back to some form of normalcy, and I myself am cautiously attempting to reintegrate with the outside world again, there are some habits that I don't plan on picking back up, and one of them is going back to the damn post office. Are you still going to the post office and paying full price for things? Well, you should join me and stop doing that with Stamps.com. With Stamps.com, you don't have to do that anymore. Mail and ship anytime, anywhere, right from your computer. It saved me a ton of time and money as I ship things pretty constantly over here in Chiluminati headquarters. Stamps.com brings the services of the U.S. Postal Office and the UPS right to your computer. It's a must-have for any business, whether you're a small business office sending invoices, a side hustle Etsy shop shipping out orders, or just navigating the hybrid work life that the modern era has brought upon us. Stamps.com can handle it all with ease. So stop wasting time going to the post office and go to Stamps.com instead. There's no risk. With our promo code CHILL, you get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale no long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type chill. That's stamps.com, promo code chill. So our first story today is one that falls under the weird category. It's one that is a mystery that has no answer, yet many people have thought of what it could be. And, uh, you know, I'll leave it up to you to decide. At the start of World War I, the bulk of the Atlantic fleet in many nations ran on coal. And while traversing the Atlantic, many ships from all these various allied nations would pull alongside like another ship. And then, they, you know, a ship would like drop it off. Kind of like uh, if you've ever seen a plane refuel midair. That like kind Air of Force vibe. One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so they would do this so that the ships could keep sailing without having to set into a port. And, uh, you know, once you recognize a port, you can recognize like strategic locales, all that stuff. Anyway, that one is so such- wild that we did a world war on coal. That is nuts. <laughs> Go back that and look at some wild. of the, the ships from World War One. They literally look like cruise ships, but with guns on them. It's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> it's insane. One such ship that delivered coal to the Allied fleets was the USS Cyclops. Hell yeah. Love the name. In service in the Naval Auxiliary uh, for the U.S. Navy for several years before the war started, the Cyclops would make runs up and down the East Coast, uh, all the way down to the Caribbean to service the fleet. On January 9th, 1918, she was assigned to sail to the Brazilian waters to fuel British warships in the South Atlantic, which is a crazy thing that I don't think a lot of us think about, which is like World War One. They were fighting in the South Atlantic in like cruise ships with guns. I'm looking at these ships. They have masts too. Yes. They have like yes. wooden masts. <laughs> World War One, man. What? That was the, the 20s, right? The, if I remember correctly, uh, it was 30s. N- no, 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 no. World War One no, no, no. is 1917, 1918. 19. Okay, yeah. dude. So early late teens, early. This is like gotcha. if a cowboy thought of cyberpunk. What is what these look like? It's like it's like a better than cowboys, but like there's a mast on it. It's crazy. Yeah, so um, just for clarification, the war began, uh, I was thinking of American involvement, but the war began in 1914, and then, like all world wars, America rolls in towards the end, like, yeah, we're here to help! We came down from our castle on the hill, our shining city. Where we, essentially most world wars are, half of our country's like, I don't know, maybe the Nazis were right. (laughs) That's literally what it was, look it up. Look up World War II, we were like, I don't know. 
yeah. they have some good ideas. We've seen the Rocketeer. We know yeah. what's going on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Gangsters don't like Nazis is what yeah. I learned from that. The mob doesn't like Nazis. Um, anyway, so the Cyclops was one of these service ships, and it, it was in 1918 that it was sent down to Brazil to fuel British ships in the South Atlantic. On February 16th of 1918, the ship left Rio de Janeiro carrying 306 crew members and passengers and set out for Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, Lieutenant Commander George Worley, who was in charge of the vessel, complained basically that one of his engines was cracked and inoperative and it was going to be a pain in the ass to keep doing their mission. So they were told, hey, come back to the States. We'll refit everything. We'll get you set up. Don't worry about it. So they set off to Baltimore. Uh, however, along the way, whilst they were leaving, they were told, hey, pick up a bunch of manganese ore for us, which <laughs> okay. even, I'll admit, Classic. I'm not sure what you're using manganese for. But they're like, what hey, is manganese usually used for? Do you know? I boy, do I not I'm know? I'm curious. I'm just I curious. I know it's not coal, which is why which is why this story is one of those like interesting. Yeah, uh, I couldn't tell you what it's used for. I do not know. It's important alloys and to deoxidize steel and desulfurize. There you go. All right. Well, there you go. I guess uh, probably if you're a boat out at sea for a while or I don't know. Yeah, Steel. It, gives, it gives you a lot of neurodegenerative degenerative disorders. That, that sounds about right. And, yeah, and there's definitely. a whole thing called manganism, manganism, which is a, like its own disorder. <laughs> Listen, man, we were still using like uranium in our plating in the 70s. OK, like it took us a while yeah, to get the bad shit out of 90 percent asbestos. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they, had, they were like, whatever, smoke them if you got them. <laughs> oh, you use it to make steel. Yeah. Is what you do. You well, use then that explains a lot, especially during the war effort. Steel. Yeah. yeah. 1918. So, you know, going back to what we were talking about with the ships, just historical perspective, uh, 1918, 1917, especially for the United States, was when we started rapidly transitioning from sort of like, hey, I'll get aboard the steamship and our coal things to like, we need oil ships and oil vessels and we need to like have a fleet. And then, you know, then World War II did the exact same thing. Where it's like, yeah. step it up. We need to militarize America. And then technology boomed because of it. And then, you know, in the 50s, the space race was the same way. So this is during that time period where it was just like, let's get technology. And so um, I, I understand why they were like, we need steel. Bring us the, magnes- the, the manganese. Uh, anyway, they set off uh, on this trip. And Warley is like, okay, we're on our way. But while they were off... On their trip, they made an unscheduled stop in Barbados, where Warley was like, the ship, something's wrong with it. It is low in the water. Something doesn't make any sense here. I want to get it investigated. So he pulls into Barbados, and they investigate the whole ship. They go top to bottom. They look over all of it, and they determine that the ship is over capacity. The the manganese they brought on board is just, it's a little too heavy for the weight of the, like what the ship can bear. But everything was loaded securely and loaded properly and everything seemed to be fine. So on March 4th, they reset out once again for Baltimore. And then never arrive. Their approach, of course, takes them through the one thing we have somehow not talked about this entire time. (laughs) The Bermuda Triangle. One day, man. I don't know why. Can it's you the go ahead and add some post effects to your voice and editing there? Give yourself an echo. I, 
For those of you I who don't know, I almost guarantee I won't. We one hundred percent should do. A, <laughs> we one hundred percent should do a real episode on this at some point. But oh yeah, the Bermuda Triangle is one of those things that we should cover, and it is uh, essentially a like mysterious amorphous triangle spot between Florida, Puerto Rico, and Bermuda that, according to legend, has claimed numerous ships and aircraft and all sorts of different things, uh, and they all just disappear there. And sometimes there's stories of like radio signals from planes that disappeared 50 years ago weird stuff like that coming from this mysterious triangle anyway the ship just goes in does not come out and to this day there are stories of people who have mentioned that they've seen this the, the the cyclops there are stories of people who have said that while they were out on the water they saw a ship that looked like the cyclops even during the time there were people who said they saw the Cyclops off the coast of America. Where was it? Huh. Where was it? Where was it? Like, when did it disappear? So it left March 4th. Uh, and this would be 1918. It left March 4th from Barbados, setting off to Baltimore. And in that time, it vanished. It was supposed to arrive the 13th and it never showed up. I was going to be like, nobody was in contact with it. But then I realized it was 1918 and that there the were ship many ships that said they saw it. There was one ship in particular where they said they saw the Cyclops, but then when they asked the crew, the crew was like, nah, we didn't see nothing. What? Which huh. is, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's stuff like that where people have claimed, like some people have said they've seen it, and other people were like, I was on that boat. I didn't see nothing. Also, I don't know what you guys are imagining, but this boat looks like, I don't even, it looks like a Civil War submarine. Like, it looks fucking weird. Mm-hmm. There are many theories besides the mysterious, besides the the Bermuda Triangle of what could have happened to this ship. People have said it could have been sunk by an early German U-boat. Right. It was war. They huh. were yeah. down, you know, in a, an open ocean battlefield situation. It could have been sunk because it was a supply ship. Another explanation the U.S. government seemed to love was that the ship could have had structural issues where the sister ships of this boat, uh, ones that were made, you know, in, of similar design, had a structural problem with the I-beams that ran the length of the ship, where I guess the ore that they stored on this ship was corrosive enough to warp the I-beams. Oh, my. I mean, uh, yeah, who knows? dude? And so that could have been a problem. Uh, again, it was mentioned that the ship was like lower in the water. So maybe there was something that, that you know, was happening with the I-beams. Another explanation that I love because it's so crazy and I never would have thought of this. Apparently, manganese ore is denser than coal, right? So it, it like would lay a little flatter than coal because coal would just chunk up and, you know, so it would lay a little flatter. And apparently the hatches were covered with canvas and like water would get through. And apparently... <laughs> manganese when it gets wet becomes like a slurry what and so that could have sloshed around so if a wave hit the boat you'd have like a slurry inside that could then oh tip God. the boat over what a just absolutely boneheaded mistake that would be right <laughs> and Maybe then they're just learning science in real time at that point and then combined one with one of me. the engines one of the two engines being down if it, it the boat could have like flipped over right who knows and so the crazy thing about this is obviously the Bermuda Triangle and the whole mystery there. The reason why this is a Bermuda Triangle story is that you would think people would look for this boat and they have. Right. 
and no one has found it. There are no signs of it. And it's, this is a big boat. There's no signs of it anywhere, man. That just, it's, it's one of those things that's really weird, but at the same time is kind of a harsh reminder how deep and like vast the ocean is. Cause if that yes. thing sunk, which it probably did, Good luck finding that thing down there. No matter how big it is, the ocean is enormous. But people are thinking because there's ore in it, you should be able to like detect a large deposit of the ore, right? Yeah. Nothing. Which then brings me to one of my other favorite theories. There wasn't ore actually in it. It was something else. Oh, baby. Aliens. Captain America. It was something else. It was something else. It was a super soldier. They were bringing back something else that was even more valuable. And that's why he made a stop in Barbados because, you know, there's, you know, something was happening with the ship. And it was absolutely in the Bermuda Triangle. Yes. the, The path back through was through the Bermuda Triangle. I feel like people like gotta be just constantly buzz in the Bermuda Triangle, right? That's what I'm saying. I feel like now, especially this is why we don't hear a lot of Bermuda Triangle stories anymore is because I feel like most there's a lot of people there. It's an area where there's a lot of boat traffic and and I feel like it's sort of as a mysterious location sort of fallen off because so many people go through there and so little actually happens that it doesn't have the mystique that it used to. And so, you know, the mystery behind it and things that could have happened there don't happen anymore. But you would also think with all the people there now, something would be found of all these mysterious lost things in the Bermuda Triangle. Nothing. Nothing. What about, because I don't know the activity like of this in like 1918. Is there a chance piracy was involved? I mean, maybe. Coal? But there, maybe, well, maybe they just saw a, a government vessel and were just like, take it for our own and just like killed everybody on board and took it and said fuck it to whatever was in the car. I want you it, guys to know that it's possible just prior to know, this call, just, Mathis told me that in Eve online, he wants to become a pirate. It's on my oh, mind. Piracy's on the mind. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that is our first story. One of mystery. It's weird, but possibly explanations that make some sort of sense. Why Who were knows? World War One ship names so much cooler then they ran out of names. cool names. They ran. They used them too early. They used them way too early. Looking at the sister ships, Jupiter, Proteus, Nereus. This is awesome. I wish yeah. we had that. And these that weren't vibe. even these weren't even like battleships. These were the ones like we carry coal. Yeah, these are colliers. Yeah, these are like if you if you if you imagine like a spaceship that carries cargo and has no shit. It looks on like it. it. Yeah. That's exactly what it looks like. Looks like a Star yeah, Wars it's ship. It's really weird. Yeah. I'm I'm looking for like this one book that I can find on this thing. Well, no, it's a, the one affordable book right now anyway. It's called Hellship: The Last Voyage of the USS Cyclops. Hellship. Like, Hellship. Like 50 bucks for a hardcover of this thing. And the reviews are all over the place. And then there's the USS Cyclops which is $155 Damn. to get a hardcover of that sucker. Yeah, it's it's interesting to check out. It it's it's you know, the story is pretty light because there's not information like it's it's a ship that was suffering from many problems as it set out, which leads to many of those problems could have been the reason it, it was went missing. There were so Man. many things wrong with it that they were like, we have to come back and repair and we have to make a stop in Barbados because like we are possibly taking on water like there was a lot going on. But the fact that the ship just vanished is, I think, the mystery. There was no call for help. There was no nothing just gone yeah that is wild well that was weird is what it was (laughs) 
But let's get weirder. Let's get I'm, I'm even ready. weirder. Come with me now. That was one. That was sort of like a Jesse episode. Sort of like a fun Jesse episode. Come with me now. And bush To an <laughs> Alex episode, if you will. <clears throat> oh, oh, I see. Yeah, see, we're gonna, I got a whole thing here. Oh, I like it. Ouch. Oh, my gosh. Frick. Mother effer. Those are the screams I used to make when I would cut my bush shaving before I knew about Manscaped. You need to try this out for yourself. The Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 has been beautifully designed to reduce those painful nicks and tugs. Get 20% off in free shipping with the code CHILL20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code CHILL20. The Manscaped Lawnmower is their third generation trimmer featuring advanced skin safe technology, so you keep your bad boys nice and smooth. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a nice long shave. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. You need to try this out for yourself. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code CHILL20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with code CHILL20 at manscaped.com. Always use the right tools for the job. In the wilderness of Siberia is a town known as Mirni. That's how they call it, too. Yeah, that's definitely pronounced right. I uh, maybe not. I don't know. I tried to I tried to look it up, but I literally couldn't pronounce like find a pronunciation. It didn't exist. I was like, okay. The only vestige of humanity in the wilderness for miles is this town. To give you an idea of how cold and desolate and terrible it is there, every home is built on stilts to prevent the melting permafrost in the spring from flooding their homes. At that point, you got to just be like, hey, maybe we should just build our houses somewhere else, guys. What do you think? Well, yeah, what keeps the person there? (laughs) Obviously, not a lot of people actually live there anymore. Right. Um, And there really, truly isn't very much reason to visit this town, except for the fact that it sits near the world's largest 1,000 foot deep and half a mile wide diamond mine. One that is now closed. For mysterious reasons. And wait for it. Here's the Alex part. Anything that flies overhead is sucked inside of it. No. What? That's not. That can't be possible. What? Come with me on a journey. Oh, my God. I want to buy a drone and go. I want to watch like a turkey. Not turkeys don't fly like a big goose. Just a goose. Go down. In 1955, the Soviet Union was uh, tending its wound from World War II, trying to expand its Cold War influence and pretty much had scientists and researchers and excavators and people all over the world trying to find any advantage they could get uh, against the West. And in the massive expanse of the Siberian wilderness, they thought this area, because it's so desolate and there's nothing we're not going to build here, but maybe we can like harvest the resources and maybe we can find something from this place. And so one of their scientists out there, or one of their scientific groups actually uh, found some chemicals near Mirni, which uh, suggested possibly diamonds were in the earth there. 
And so in 1957, Stalin ordered a diamond mine to be built and construction began on what would be the biggest and most successful diamond mine to date. Ever? It would be a tough, ever. It in, would be like in 2021. Let me. Oh, you'll let, when I start giving you numbers, you'll be like, holy crap. <laughs> it would be a tough task. Since Siberia was covered with permafrost for seven months out of the year, making the ground super hard to break through. And then anytime it was spring, it was slush. So you couldn't build on it. The average temperature of the area was 40 degrees below zero, which means tires instantly pop and oil freezes. But the Soviets were like, no, 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 no. This was (laughs) Soviet era. They were like bring in jet engines and that's how they heated the area with jet engines <laughs> what the fuck this is like a street fighter level like i don't know what the fuck are we talking about and then the bonus in, is beating him up at the end yeah. and then in order to dig through the earth they just threw dynamite at it that's how they decided to do it yeah let's do it eventually Here's the thing it worked it worked by 1960 the mine was up and running, and through the 60s, it ended up producing 10 million carats of diamonds a year, 20% of which were gem quality. And at its peak, it was producing diamonds at one of the highest rates in the world. It produced $13 billion worth of diamonds. What? As it grew in success, diamond sellers around the world were like, what is, what is happening here? The De Beers Company, which is like one of the big daddies of diamonds saw this and were like, hold on, something's not right about this. We need answers. We need to like investigate this because De Beers, like most diamond conglomerates and distributors, basically what they try to do is kind of like have an iron grip on the diamond market. And so it's like the manufactured scarcity kind of thing. Yeah. If they Mm. can buy up all the diamonds, they can control the price. And this diamond mind is like pumping out diamonds. And they're like, there's no way we can buy them all. This can't be real. Like we have to check it out. And so, because the mine seemed relatively smaller and newer than most other mines, they thought it was utterly impossible that they could pump out this amount of diamonds. It didn't make any sense. So in 1970, De Beers like asked to tour the the mines for themselves, right? Uh, which I think is hilarious. Just by the way, a capitalist company being like, "Hello, communist Russia. We would like to deal with you during the Cold War." Like that's a great, you know. Yeah, that's, that's just true. how hypocritical that whole situation was. But <laughs> whatever. 70s, man. Yeah. Anyway, it took six years for Russia to let De Beers in. And when they did, they were only given 20 minutes to inspect the mine in which they learned nothing. They learned nothing about the mine. Yeah, at what this are you point, 20 minutes. Great question. Like, how they, do you even they got, get there? They got like a little, I'm sure, like, I don't know, some sort of like helicopter, maybe. I don't yeah. know. They they got there. They toured the mine. They were given the most basic of tours. They were not allowed to see into the actual mine proper. And then they were escorted out. And it was at this point, the mine became a mystery because while they were there, they did see the diamonds like diamonds were there. And from this point on, this mine became sort of like in the diamond industry, Willy Wonka's factory. It was this mysterious place. No one was allowed inside to see, but it was churning out billions of dollars in diamonds, like hella diamonds. Yes. Even after the Soviet Union fell, the companies that were put in charge of running the site kept it under lock and key. Then suddenly 
In 2004, the mine shut down. Officials stated, this is their statement, they had dug too deep and the mines were flooded. What? Wait, what? That's what they said. They dug too deep. The mines were flooded. And of course, this is why no one believes them because that's crazy. (laughs) And there are a million theories about what is truly going on in that mine. And all of them are as crazy as you can imagine, right? Like anything you can say is a theory of what's happening in that mind. It's like a there isn't like the easy ones. Locale. Yes. There That's isn't, crazy. there isn't like one theory, like it's aliens or it's like they found, you know, where the dinosaurs are. It's all of it. Every possible theory is associated with what's down there. No one has, no one has a clue. And now <laughs> there is this massive abandoned hole, though. There are still some people in the area researching it. And, uh, you know, what they're allowed to actually research, who knows? But there are people that are researching it. But the twist that I promised you is that the airspace around it is restricted. And what the science is, and this is, you know, I don't know if this is accurate, but this is what science says. The sheer depth of the hole can suck things into it when the cold air from the surface Meets the hot air coming from the mine. It creates a vortex that can suck in helicopters and small planes. No, like a tornado. Like that's how tornadoes are formed, right? Isn't that correct? Like Like hot and cold air coming together. Yeah, yeah. And so so the, the, the hot, this is what I think is interesting. They're openly just the hot air from the mine. That's what people are like. They found the hole to hell. And that's why they flooded (laughs) it. Like that's part of the, the lore is they don't. And so it's been reported several times that planes and helicopters have been sucked in this hole. There, there are incidents reported. So they literally have made the airspace above it. It's restricted. You cannot fly through it. That seems so sus to me. Yeah, that whole ending seems a little off. The idea, <laughs> the idea that they're like, oh, uh, it's the biggest mine in the world. Uh, it got flooded. Oh, and uh, nobody can go look at it from the air because uh, you'll die in a giant hole. That is like the most shady thing I have ever heard in and, my and life. Here's, and here's the the crazy part is the final sentence of, and I just wanted to like put this out because it's amazing. Um, the final uh, sort of like, not sentence, like uh, ending the period, the bu- whatever that is, like the book. The book end. End. Yeah, the bookend for this, for this uh, story is that not only is it still mysterious, not only is there this weird vortex that they've limited airspace above it, but at the end of all that's said and done, this mine produced half of the world's diamonds. Half? Half of the world's diamonds. Jesus Ever? Christ. I mean, yeah, at least according to the research here. I don't know when this research was done, mind you, but it, I mean, it's after 2004. I feel like... Half- I feel like they had, little town. Yeah, I feel like they had to have like cracked some sort of like how to make diamonds chemically scenario and they just inflate like that's got to be like the secret to like Russian wealth. That's there's that's there's, crazy. Yeah, there's that. A lot of people are saying that it's possible that uh, Russia could have dealt with sort of like a blood diamond thing and then pretended they got it from this mine. Um, there's all, but like the sheer number of diamonds doesn't make sense to anyone. Like it just doesn't make sense. that There are that many diamonds. Like and, what? and they're like, they dug, so they dug so deep. They dug, they dug so deep a thousand, well, like a thousand feet down. 
How big is the how big I is the hole? I've seen that. Uh, it's it's a half mile wide diamond mine, a thousand feet down. I can't even so picture what this looks like. I'm thinking. I'm imagining. You, here's the thing: like, you can see it on Google Earth. Really? Yeah. If you just look up M I R N Y mine, you can see images of it. It's it, you know it's crazy. It's on. You can see the town that surrounds it. I'm looking at this and on Wikipedia and it just dead ass says Mr. Mime in my eyes. Like my eyes look at it and then I see, oh, Mr. Mime from Pokemon. Well, there you go. It's look funny because the deepest, the deepest hole in the world that's being researched is also Russian owned. I don't know if you know that. Is that uh, the, the one Kola? where they, it sounds like hell noises coming out of it that they're like, it's these the Kola hell super noises. deep borehole. Um, it's they've been there literally their the whole purpose is basically them trying to deep dig as deep as possible sure. right now they they set at 15,000 miles 49,000 feet 15,000 meters 49,000 feet and uh they broke the world record in the 80s and passed 12,000 meters uh, but the drilling was stopped for about a year after numerous scientific and celebratory visits to the site yeah they, and then they got to a point where they can't go any further like it's too hard for them to get past with their giant drill it says the mine is recommissioned too. Like it's back up in 2009 underground only, and it's going for 50 more years. <laughs> there you go. What, a, <laughs> there you go. Like, what the fuck is down there? Just like a big ass, like salt crystal of, they won't of let anyone diamond? in. They won't let anyone in to see. I would. Can you imagine if that's what, if there was just like a cave of crystal, like, like a diamond that'd cave, wild. that'd be amazing. Like looking at it, like what in the hell? I mean, oh man, the, the the whole the whole I was talking about was actually terminated in ninety five with the dissolution of the Soviet Union. Oh wow! So they stopped digging in ninety five. Like I'm looking hmm. at this, and it 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 doesn't even look that deep. But like, I, it's filled with water at the bottom. But this photo on Wikipedia is fairly big. That's what I like. At least from what it says, according to the articles, it was flooded. I, I mean, it, does it say it's recommissioned? It says that in 2009, it was recommissioned and is still doing mining, but only underground. They're not like in this big ass hole anymore. But goddamn, there's like a huge resolution picture. It's like 8,000 by 4,000 pixels. Uh, and it looks like it's actually fairly close to civilization these days. But back in the day, I'm sure that it was a lot more remote. But then yeah, they pulled fucking you're, 2,000 you're, carats of diamonds out per year. Yeah, you're totally right. It says that, you know, even though it closed in 2004, the mine, but this, what a weird, the mine was recommissioned in 2009 and is expected to remain open for 50 years. And that's all it says. Yeah. I mean, there's an article, like, if you follow it, but like, that's crazy. What, like, how could there be that much diamonds in one place? Yeah, it's it's bizarre. It's very weird. Yeah, all I all I have to say to you to further conspiracy on this is on August twenty first, two thousand nine, the Mirni underground mine was officially commissioned in Mirni uh, Yak Yak Yakutia whatever it is. Uh, the ceremony was attended by Chairman of the Government of the Russian Federation, Vladimir Putin. <laughs> That's all I need to know to be like, there yep. is some spy shit going on here. He's making lasers. <laughs> there is some stuff happening in Russian there. Space lasers. I believe that. Uh, over 2.8 billion will be allocated for construction of the tree mines. 
This is this is absolutely insane. I yeah. am I am mind blown by this. I'm gonna I want to just go down a rabbit hole of this. Well, that <laughs> that is my Alex story. That's why I knew I'd get you. That's the Alex story. <laughs> I knew I'd get you. Got him. God damn. Oh, you got him. It's fascinating, right? Like it, it it's it's a weird story that that they just hit it from everyone and they were producing a ton of diamonds and the even the diamond people in the world were like we don't know how to react to this. It looks so much like a wound to the earth more than anything I've ever seen in my life. That's cuz they they didn't dig like normally. Like you would Exploded normally dig. It. They used jet engines and dynamite. They didn't like it is a wound. They didn't like, you know, there are many things that we've done in the United States to just blow stuff up in the earth. But this was like go next level. Yep. I mean, they they did it. They did it. Ingenuity got them. But, you know, at what cost? Good Lord. I love what Alex's face is like. Look at the pictures right now. Alex's face is just like, I can't believe it. (laughs) <laughs> these diamonds were all of a uniform size okay by the 70s when Mir should have been producing smaller and smaller quantities of diamonds the Soviets were producing an increasing quantity of gem diamonds yes. in their sales to De Beers and these diamonds were all of a uniform size and shape and were dubbed silver bears that's, and, that's what that, and that's why it's so crazy they're this, saying it doesn't make sense that there could be this many diamonds right they're saying not, like uh, everything we know about diamonds is like against this being this this uh like prolific of a mine yes there's there's no way that this mine could produce the quantities it was producing which is why De Beers one questioned it and two went into business with them because they were like he's like we'll take them I mean these are diamonds they you know they did their research they had the little like diamond guy with the little looking glass do his whole thing (laughs) and they were diamonds they were real diamonds and, and they apparently were like, down there, there's like three or four like fucking helicopters. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Yes. I, I, I think that's a fascinating, a fascinating story. I was like, I oh, just want to know more. I hate how little right. there is to know. Yeah. Soviet Union, man. There's so there's so little that we have access to information wise. Don't worry. Putin's got it under control. Yeah. With his space laser. He's got the mine under control now. Give him the little bear space laser. <laughs> I just want to know. Like, there's pictures. There's pictures of like the city and then just like a fucking hole. Yeah. <laughs> a massive hole. This is fucking me up. This is crazy. Watching you like deep dive and research this is killing me. It's like I love it's, this. It's like destroying my eyeballs, but it's like is this a like a look photo? at this picture. Yeah, that's a cool ass picture. Oh, yeah. that's of the mine. Yeah, that's that fucking insane. That remind if you've ever played. Uh, <sighs> Deus Ex, living there. I think it's Human Revolution. Maybe it's yeah, it's Human Revolution. Deus Ex Human Revolution. The the like secret facility. That's yeah. sort of a hole to the center of the earth. Yeah, that's what this looks like. It looks like, like a city around a hole to the center of the earth. That's what this looks like. The hole is so big that it makes the city around the hole that goes right up to the edge look Tiny. like the like land of make believe from. It looks like Sokovia. And, yeah. and <laughs> it looks crazy. Yeah. MCU. It it's looks crazy. like Mr. Rogers, like models. Really? They look like toys. They look like little tiny toys. No, it's it's wild. This whole thing is wild. But I love how you can also see in the city 
even the church is like built up on a risen platform. <laughs> like, is this really ornate church? But then like there's a cobblestone platform around it to prevent the flooding. Yep. It's incredible. Yeah. I would love to live in this town for a few days just no, to see what good. life is like. There. Nah. Yeah, just to get the vibe. Yeah, just to get the vibe of being like, what would life being living here be I like? I want to live mm. in that town like Solid Snake when he's in Metal Gear Solid 4 and he's just like walking around his trench coat with a cigarette, just like checking stuff out. <laughs> I want to be like a creepy little guy in that town and see, look for reptilians. What a great horror story you could have of like a little town near a, a large hole where everything is prosperous in that town except once a year, the hole just sucks in people, just does a huge sucking event. You got to hide <laughs> a and shit. Event? Like a, a, yeah, sucking a giant event? sucking event. Yeah, a giant that's, sucking that's event. I'd be out there Matt's every time. up for in October is Salt. a giant sucking event. <laughs> the sucking event. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got like a little air, like a Silent Hill air horn that goes. Everybody got to get inside, but the hole sucks in that people. That is fucking wild. Yeah, I didn't even, that's I've crazy. never heard of that even. All right. Well, that was our Alex story, but there's (laughs) one story that remains our Mathis tale for the evening ready or day. Whenever you're listening, I'm not telling you what, but evening (laughs) imagine it's evening. We all try to recapture our childhood in small ways as adults. Don't lie to me. Don't look at me to lie to me. I know we all do it. That's part of being an adult. One of the small ways I like to do that is with those really sugary cereals, or at least that's the way I used to do it until Magic Spoon showed up at my doorstep. It's going to sound crazy, but this is an actual good tasting cereal that is none of the unhealthy benefits as those ones that we ate growing up. Magic Spoon has zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and only four net grams of carbs in each serving. Only 140 calories a serving. It's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, and GMO-free. It's also been great for me, too, because as everybody knows, because I don't stop talking about it, I moved recently. And with that move, I've been really trying to change my diet, change my life basically from the ground up. And that diet is part of it. So this has been a good way to try to stop eating those bad cereals that I was so fond of before. You can get some right now by going to magicspoon.com slash chill to grab a variety pack and try it for yourself today. Be sure to use our promo code chill at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund you your money, no questions asked. Remember, get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com slash chill and use code chill to save yourself five bucks. Thanks for Magic Spoon for sponsoring this episode. Our last story for you, Mathis. Mm -hmm. On March 31st, 1922, Maria Baumgartner arrived at the Hinterkaifeck. Hinter, Hinterkaifeck. (laughs) So we're not in America? No, we're not in America. (laughs) It's actually in Rhode Island. Yeah. House. Oh, I grew up yeah. in Rhode Island. How do I don't know about that place? <laughs> at the hint at the Hinterkaifeck house, um, escorted by her sister. Built in 1863, the farmhouse and uh, the local, you know, this big farm area was located in Bavaria, Germany, in a place called Kaifeck. I'm not sure that's not how you actually say it, but, you know, Kaifeck. Owned Close by enough. the Gruber family, Andreas, his wife, uh, Kazelia, their daughter, Victoria. Uh, her daughter, also named Kazelia, <laughs> and well. her baby Joseph, their baby son Joseph. Um, they called it Hinterkaifeck 
because, you know, hinters like it was behind Kaifek, right? Like that's what it was called. Anyway, Maria was asked to join us on as the maid after their previous maid had had left. So she accepted the job and her sister escorted her there and they gave her a room and everything. And it was like seemed on the up and up. And that was the last time Mm-mm. anyone had seen the Grubers or Maria alive. Oh, my! all of them. Damn. The next morning on April 1st, two men, coffee sellers, arrived at the farm to place an order. When they knocked on the door, no one responded. They walked around the yard and they found nothing was amiss. And so, you know, they noted the gate to the machine house was open, but they were like, you know, we don't want to pry into this family's business. So we'll come back later. So they left the next few days at school. The teachers and and staff noted that the young uh, granddaughter, Kazelia, wasn't at school and the family failed to show up for Sunday worship. On April 4th, neighbors realized they really hadn't seen the Grubers in days, and they went to go check on them. Knocking on the door, they received no reply. So they went around to check all the different areas of this farm, and when they went to the barn, there they found Andreas, his wife, their daughter, and granddaughter corralled and massacred with a mattock, which is kind of like a pickaxe. Yeah. Ooh. Breaking into the house to search for the maid and the baby inside, they discovered the maid dead in her bed and the baby dead in the crib. Jesus, Dang, Jesus Christ. Did they, how did they got same way? Go same way. Ma- oh, Matic. Matic for them, too. Yep. Oh, shit. Inspector, so these guys got axe murdered. Yes. Pickaxe yes. Murdered. Yes. Inspector Jorg Reingruber from the Munich police uh, arrived to investigate. But when he got there, because this is like out in the middle of nowhere and their neighbors are like, everyone was kind of like, they don't know modern crime solving. This is 1922. So they like were walking around the crime scene, messing with like looking at the bodies, touching everything. So all these people were, were messing with everything in the crime scene, ruined everything. And so it became very hard for them to sift through actual evidence. And, uh, you know, all those people that went to go check them and check in, uh, you know, they had all these footprints and all these different. So it was really hard to, to figure out what was yeah. going on. But the autopsy revealed that they were all indeed killed by the Matic, but that the granddaughter had been alive for several hours after the killings. And it appeared as if she had torn out tufts of her own hair. The baby with like hair in her finger. No, not the baby, the, the young granddaughter. Okay. Yeah. So there was there like, which did she have like hair in her? There was hair on the straw. I, be, I believe they it was gotcha. like hair around her like hands. And it Damn. looked as though it was pulled from her hair by her like own hands. Oh God. That's oh God. What? All indications appear as if sometime in the late evening of March 31st or early morning, April 1st, some perpetrator or perpetrators killed the family. But the reasons remain completely unclear. Everyone seemed to love these people. They were pillars of the community. They were, you know, you go to them to buy and sell things, right? Yeah. In fact, when it was considered that possibly robbery was the reason, the detectives, while searching the house, found large sums of money out in the open, completely untouched. Oh, what? That makes no sense. Obviously in terms of like anybody walking in there for a robbery, which 
I mean, he's like, okay, was it personally motivated? It was it like, uh, uh, cause the only thing I know very little of the story, obviously, but the, the maid that worked with them is the only connection I have that left. Did they do something to her where she would come back and murder them all? Great question. Huh? Further investigation revealed that the night of the crime, a man happened to pass the farm and he noticed that a giant oven had been turned on and was being heated by someone. And when he went to go look closer, the person doing it held a lantern towards him and blinded him. And he like was startled and kept moving on and didn't go investigate another man, a farmer on his way home at 3 a.m., which that definitely seems like he was out drinking or whatever, but on his way home at 3 a.m. saw two unknown figures at the edge of the forest. They noticed him and turned their faces so they couldn't be seen. Okay. Foul play for sure. All huh. in all, seven suspects were charged. Charged? Oh, no, we're not charged. Seven suspects oh. were, were uh, brought in. None were charged is what I mean. Oh my None God. were charged. At one point, they even thought about Victoria's long thought dead husband, Carl Gabriel, who everyone <laughs> believed died in France during World War One, but his body was never found. And another weird mystery is that his wife, Victoria, gave birth to their two year old son well after he would have been dead. Meaning she slept with somebody else in night in 1920 is probably when this baby was conceived, but there was no <clears throat> indication of who the father was. In fact, whispers as they soon discovered was that the father might have been Andreas, her dad. Ooh, but they thought this was, this was rumor and smearing and, and they refused to accept it. Right. Gotcha. But yeah. Clearly this child was someone else. Someone else was the father. And one of the theories was at the time, Maybe Carl came home and saw that his wife had moved on. Or if he had heard these things about her and her father, he might have killed them all. Who knows? Because she, she, yeah, because the wife was killed. Yes. She was killed. Everyone was killed. Another crazy theory people had was possibly a notorious American serial killer was the one who did it because the killings matched a set of killings in Colorado Springs. Ooh, who do you know who uh, I do? I do not know who that is. There's a book Ooh, about it, though. There's an actual book about it. Is this? Is I, I, yeah, there's a couple of American serial killers around that time that did do some um, one. I can't think of his name. He would travel. He would like venture out to foreign countries a lot on boat and he would come back to the U.S. And sometimes he would like murder. There's actually theories that Jack the Ripper was a traveler who came and went for similar reasons. There's well, some oh. there's some murder that I remember that's like flashing into my mind based on what you've said so far that involves footprints. That uh, is like, Alex, 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 here we go. Okay. <laughs> I don't remember the details. The creep, yeah. So all this is creepy. All this is terrible. Yeah. All very true crime creepy. But the real, the real math is creepy starts right now. Okay. All Why right. the previous maid quit? Yes. Why? Six months prior to the murders, the previous maid quit. The one before Maria Baumgartner voluntarily left her position, saying that she heard strange noises and always felt Mm. like she was being watched. She feared the house was haunted 
And so she quit during the six months that followed items. The family knew they owned often went missing while others that they, you know, didn't, they never seen before would appear in the house. Dude, just reminded me of something. At one point, continue at one point, Andreas Gruber found footsteps in the snow leading from the forest to the house, but there were no footprints leading away. Yes. I remembered something about that. Interesting. People assume maybe because the property was so big, someone was living in the house with them. I mean, that's not, I mean, even nowadays we get horror stories of people who find out there's somebody like living in the house with them. Yeah, on a farm in 1922? Yeah. No doubt in my mind that's possible. So they, for that six-month period before Maria joined them, crazy stuff was happening at this farmhouse. Things were, like, they would find things that didn't belong to them in their home. Man, that's that's the worst. <laughs> it's they, so, that's it's the worst. so clear. That scare the it's shit so out of me. clear yeah. that somebody was living there in my mind. Right. I hate that. Like, Ugh. Somewhere in the attic basement, a a hole somewhere. Oh, God, that's the worst. And so then the question becomes again, why did they kill them? Yeah. Even the who, who knows? But why? What if it was the husband? What if it was her husband living in the walls? Maybe. I mean, maybe. Maybe she knew. Maybe he was like mentally, like, you know, from war and stuff, a broken man or something. I I think if you, I I, I don't know if it's accurate, but I know that if you look up uh, this story more, um, you can find all the different people they accused. And you can see oh, that they cool. all have weird sort of like connections that are incredibly strange. And everyone's like the brother, sister's cousin, or like the lover of this person. Like it's yeah. such a tangled web. And the fact that when asked originally by the detectives, everyone sounds like, no, no, everyone loved them. But then they discovered that there's like a weird rumor about incest in the, in the home. And like oh, people God, are saying, yeah. I think I don't know what I think about this story. I don't know if there's like some the crazy. Yes. If there's yeah. some crazy stuff happened in this town. That lady Who under the, uh, knows? under the bed. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. That, that, that fucked up Dude, episode. I'm going to tangent for a minute because you reminded me of something real quick. I have, I've lost things in my life. I've lost things and couldn't find them. You know, it happens. I lost something yesterday that I have never, I've, it was my remote control. I saw your TV. tweet about the gnomes. Stealing your stuff. I was a remote. Yeah, it was a remote control for my TV. My house is not very furnished. I've only been here for two months. There's not a lot of furniture around. Um, And the TV remote, I always leave on the couch because I'll come down from my office and I'll hit the TV and I'll turn it off and I'll go to bed because I usually have the TV on. And I did that the night before. I remember turning off the TV, putting the room on the couch, going to bed. Next morning, it's gone. I took apart the couch. I dug through multiple bags of trash dating days. I went through my refrigerator, oven, car, porch, backyard, trunk. Uh, you name it, I've gone through it. It fucking vanished out of thin air. Office, clothes, pockets, dryer, Could washer. Could taken it? I looked in his bed. I looked in his litter boxes. I've looked fucking everywhere. This remote control. I've never in my life lost something like this. This is the first time ever. It's gone and there's nowhere it could be. Is this? I just am like, fingers crossed. This is your first ghost experience. I, I hope this is for I, you. I, listen, goblin, you know, ghost. I hope I this offer, for you. I, I did this out loud. I'll do it again. If there's something that took it, if you simply return it to me, you can have a nug. You can I have love a nug. This is where your head is like, if no. a ghost took it, you can have whatever you, you can want. You get so high, you fucking ghost. <laughs> Take a nug. Take 
spoke maybe the bean boy we spoke him into existence and he is now real if that's like, how it works that's amazing that's uh <laughs> have you have you read uh the department of truth comic book no it's uh it's literally about like the men in black except the thing that they're trying to prevent is like people believing the wrong things which makes them real Oh, okay. Yeah. It's that's, very that's, that's relevant politically right now, but it's, it's crazy. Hmm. I mean, I know that's kind of a tangent, but like you said that things started appearing and disappearing and I straight up for the first time had just something fucking vanished from my ownership. You better check your yard for footprints and you better hope they're going both ways. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm now I'm like, wait a minute. There is an attic I don't ever go into. What if somebody's oh, dude, living in see, my that's attic? Why you I better bring a apartment. knife for that. That's what, I don't want to go up there, man. I, I don't want to go I up there. I have no adjoining mirrors in my apartment. I have no attic. There's nowhere anybody <sighs> could hide because it's such a small... That's the benefit of living in LA right there. Yeah. Right? That's true. Your house that's is so very, fucking very small true. for what you pay for that there's no possible way somebody could be living in here without, <laughs> without you knowing it. Oh man. Uh, anyway, that's wild though. That story is crazy. Yeah. There's like, I'm, I mean, I want to research it now. I'm like, I wonder if there's enough there to like deep dive on that for like an episode. The I creepiest, mean, there, there the creepiest thing is that little girl pulling her hair out. I don't like that at all. Yeah. yeah like what, what's that about? Like what, what is that connected to? Are there rumors that she had any like maybe mental illness problems? Like the haunting well, but she was, was she also ax murdered? Yes. Yeah. Pick it. Um, I mean, yeah, Maddox, she was found in the so body. She said, was, right? She so the idea so what we're what we're saying based on this evidence is that she got axe murdered just along with everybody else, but she like bled out a little longer, and the whole time she was bleeding out, she was That's ripping her hair. That's not what out. they said. They said that she that that she died later, several hours later. I so, see. So she was there. We that she was pickaxed at the same time. It could be that she was pickaxed later. That is maybe she was wasn't home. Uh, I don't know. I mean, if well, somebody no, saw that night, if there were dudes night. chilling around the house, you know, like maybe they just kept her around for a little bit, which is like even worse. Uh, but like, man, that is just haunting. And the footsteps and they never I don't like nothing. that at all. Yeah. The footsteps leading, you said two, but not from there was only months? one. He found one pair of footsteps. Yeah. So, you know, that, that was in the six months since the previous lady left. And she. Was that one character who in every horror movie was like, no, I'm out. No. Did they ever get a hold of her? Did they interview her? Yeah. And she. Oh, yeah. And that's why they know that she explained like, okay, the reason oh, yeah, why duh. I left she, is I felt like people were watching me. It felt weird. Oh, she, yeah. I thought the place was haunted, which is why I left. Because like, that's the thing too, right? If she's hearing voices. Yeah. I want to be a ghost, but if there's a man living in the fucking house, you know, or there's multiple people that yeah, are hiding she heard in the house. Strange noises. She yeah. said like, it feels like I'm being watched. And so she quit. She like, and it wasn't, you know, they, they had great experience with her. It wasn't, she was a bad maid. She just was out. She was like, I'm not doing this anymore. It's too scary. Yeah. That is fucking yeah, wild. That's wild. I want to sick Deanna on this story so bad. <laughs> yeah. I, there, I guarantee so cool. there has to be deeper dives into it, but it also I'm one sure. of those things that it's, you know, we only know so much because yeah. when the detective showed up, like I said, evidence was fucked. There's more. So what's crazy is I like when I say the neighbors showed up on the fourth, basically there's a whole chunk in between where it's like a dude shows up on the first and ask him about coffee. No one's there. And a few days later, another guy shows up and then a bunch of other people show up and a bunch of other people show up and still no one has even bothered to look around the farm to find bodies. Then on the fourth, a whole group of people go and that's when they are like, let's they work up the nerve to like break into someone's home and look around. <laughs> and so at God. that point, there's so many cross contaminations happening yeah, that fun. the detectives are like, are you kidding me? How do we, 
There's like, <laughs> what do we do here? And this was also the infancy of like real, you yeah. know, what we consider modern crime fighting. Blacklight so, crime. <laughs> but it, and so that's yeah, they were just like, we don't know what to do here. And so they worked with what they had. And that's why it's a mystery, because they literally have no they have no you know, fingerprints and everything. There was everyone's. Uh, uh, this is included, but I don't know if this is true. But one of the rumors is while waiting for the police to come, these people from the village like just made food in their home. <laughs> what? There's like cooked on their the dead people's stove while they waited. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? Like, I don't know. The 20s were a wild time, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I guess. What a time. That's that's nuts. I'm what still a, thinking about a, that fucking a, hole, man. What the hell? <laughs> Maybe it was the hole that did it. Yeah. Just sucked suck that axe sick. right into their bodies. <laughs> right. Yeah, it yeah. sucked it out. Well, there you oh, go. That's cool. Three well, stories. Thank you so much. Spanning that's all a... of our podcasts. Excellent. Happy episode 100, boys. I am so glad we've been doing this for 100 episodes. Here's to like a thousand more. Yeah. A let's, thousand more? Let's do it. <laughs> Jesse, that's a lot, you don't know of, that's a lot of weeks. 30 more years. <laughs> 30 more years of doing this. Well, I'll do this for as long as people are listening. That's honestly uh, like 23, 24 years, yeah. something like that. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, like, let's you see know, the whatever. first decade. Let's see if we're around in a you know, total you decade of doing this. Yeah. yeah, we'll see you in 10. We'll see you in 10. Actually, we'll see you sooner if you're over at patreon.com slash Illuminati pod, because we're going to go do a mini-sode. Uh, it's not the 100th mini-sode, unfortunately. It's like the 49th one or something. We're almost to 50, though. Uh, great. We will, great. Uh, we'll see you. <laughs> I'm going to do the 100th we'll mini-sode naked, but like it won't matter to you guys. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But I'll be really yeah, thrilled. It won't matter to us, though. Yeah, but that'll be right, great. Exactly. You guys will love it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you guys so much for supporting us and like hanging out with this show for as long as we've been doing it we've got a lot more in store for you uh and the more we the longer we go the the bigger the projects become i'm excited to see what the future holds and as jesse said maybe keep october open early october ish we'll more firm day in the future maybe. Maybe. goodbye everybody Peace out. bye my wife were sitting outside indulging on our porch one night enjoying ourselves i needed to go to the bathroom so i stepped back inside and after a few moments i hear my wife go holy shit get out here so i quickly dash back outside and she's looking up at the sky in awe i look up too and there's a perfect line of dozen lights traveling across the sky